0: Today's gospel is from the book of John, chapter 9, verses 1 through 14. As Jesus went along, he saw a man who was blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day day, We must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it in the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made me some mud and put it in my eyes. He told me to go to see loam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and the man's eyes was the Sabbath. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. God. Hi, my name is Jeff M. and I have blind spots. Thank you. In most 12-step groups, people say, hi, Jeff. <laughs> Thank you. That makes me feel a little bit more at home, like I'm not the only one with blind spots. There are things that I can't see because of my upbringing, because of my culture, because of my gender, because of my race. I just, I'm blind to some things that others see that I, I don't see. A few weeks ago, my wife, Julie, and I went on, uh, on a date night, which is We kind of laugh at ourselves when we actually work at a date night. It's usually to a lecture or something. We we went to a lecture at Kent Place School in Summit. Dr. Banaji, who is a professor of social ethics uh, at Harvard in the um, Department of Psychology, she was speaking at Kent Place School. The place was packed. It was about 300 people in this theater who wanted to hear Dr. Banaji speak about her book, which is called Blind Spots. Let me make sure I get this title right. Blind Spots, Hidden Biases of Good People. She started with a story. It was a riddle. If you've heard this riddle, just keep it quiet if you know the answer. So this father and son are in, in a car accident. The father dies, the ambulance comes, picks up the son, races the son to the nearest hospital. The son is brought into the operating room. The surgeon looks at the boy and says, I can't operate on this person, he's my son. End of riddle. Why, what's going on here, if you haven't heard this before? What, what uh, guesses do you have on why the surgeon can't operate on the boy. Can't operate on your own family. Okay, female surgeon. The mother is also a surgeon. Now, Chatham United Methodist Church, you are much smarter than 80% of the general population who struggle with this for a long time. They come up with answers like, well, the son had two dads, or the son was adopted and this was the biological father. 80% of the people who are told this riddle cannot come up with the right answer, that the surgeon is the boy's mother. Because we're so programmed to think surgeon must be a man. Dr. Banaji tells this story everywhere and, and she said, most people get it wrong. She's told this in medical schools and surgeons who know that almost 60 or 70% of new surgeons are women, they get it wrong too. She said she told this story once and, and a woman sitting at, a, at, at, a, at one of the tables was so upset and embarrassed when she heard the answer that she just put her head down right on the table came up to her after the lecture with a welt on her head and Dr. Banaji said, why are you giving yourself such a hard time? 80% of the people hear this story, they get it wrong. The woman said, I know, but my mother is a surgeon. (laughs) Dr. Banaji has done um, something that she calls implicit association tests. It's online, if you wanna take it online, any number of them, you can. Over 17 million people have taken these tests in 25 languages in 39 countries. And in her studies, she wants to know what makes people tick and what people's biases are that are hidden, that we don't even know about. Some of the topics of identifying where our blind blind spots are are in race, what we think about race, what we think about weight, what we think about age, what we think about gender, skin tone, career, sexuality, and religion. What she has discovered is that there are more blind spots than we are willing to acknowledge. We have hidden biases, hidden assumptions, but we want to become moral people. We want to become better people. And in order to do that, we need the humility to face our blind spots even if that's embarrassing, even if that's humiliating, even if it makes us think differently about ourselves and our own biases. She said education is fine, understanding social context is fine, understanding social constructs is fine, but do you know what actually changes our minds? Not necessarily book information Counter stereotypical images. Counter-stereotypical images change the way our minds think. She said in her own life she has biases she's trying to overcome. So she's put images on her screen saver that rotate so that when she's looking at her computer, computer goes into sleep mode, one of these images comes up. One image she has is of a hard hat construction worker on a, on a construction site who's a woman, who's on a break, who's breastfeeding a baby. Doesn't that confound our stereotypes? Perhaps as religious people, one of the images that I think about a lot uh, in Egypt, I, I, I remember seeing a picture recently of Muslim men surrounding a Coptic Orthodox church, one of the oldest Christian churches in the history of Christianity, surrounding it to say to the Christians, we're gonna watch your back, we're gonna make sure nobody hurts your church or your people on the way to worship. Side by side with another picture later on of Christian men standing in a circle around Muslim men who are kneeling in the streets of Egypt facing Mecca and praying. The Christians saying, we're going to watch your back as you're praying. Do you see the counter-stereotypical image of that that confounds us and makes us think about our own biases about why is that so strange? When we read the gospel, when we read the stories of Jesus, Jesus gives us so many opportunities to see counter intuitive, counter-stereotypical images. In Jesus' day, and perhaps some of this still lingers in us as human beings, many people thought if someone had an injury, if someone had a malady, a physical malady, or a psychological difficulty, that someone in that person's life did something wrong. Either that person or their parents, but it was a blame-the-victim type of mentality. Even the disciples had these blind spots. They see a blind man. The disciples say to Jesus, Who sinned? Whose fault is it? Is it his fault that he's blind, or is it his parents' fault? Do you see the blame game that they're playing? For some reason, the, the ego loves to blame somebody and to pin the blame somewhere on someone else. The disciples are playing that, and Jesus basically says to them, Let me tell you about what's possible when we get to a place of spiritual maturity. When we get to a place of spiritual maturity, when we see with the eyes of our hearts, there's no need for the the blame game. We don't need to blame anybody for anything. The question is, what can God do in this situation? The question is not who is to blame. The question is what can God do with me? What can God do with us? What can God do with this? Jesus says it wasn't the blind man's fault that he was born blind. It wasn't his parents' fault that he was born blind. But let's watch for the grandeur of God. Let's watch what God can do in bringing glory to and healing out of this situation. Jesus spits in the dirt, forms mud, puts the mud on the blind man's eyes. This is really quite interesting. Not only does it sound a little bit disgusting, but the blind man doesn't even ask to be healed. And Jesus doesn't ask him, would you mind if I create a little mud out of my spit? and put it on your eyes. Sometimes Jesus waits for the person to say, and Jesus often says, what do you want? Then the person says, I want to be healed, and Jesus heals. Other times, Jesus just heals people out of compassion, out of love, out of desire to restore them to community. He heals the man, and then the arguing ensues. The arguing is between the religious leadership who are trying to deny that this happened, deny that Jesus did it, and actually accuse Jesus of breaking the law. Do you notice the last part of the gospel that Kate read today? It's almost a toss-off line, but it's a, I find it quite funny. It says, and he did this on the Sabbath. I wonder if Jesus is just waiting around all week until the Sabbath comes so that he can heal somebody. As if to say to the religious police of his day, God is bigger than your religious rules. God is all about compassion and love and a desire to restore relationship. And it doesn't matter when that happens. Well, that ticks off the religious authorities at the time that he did it on the Sabbath. He's breaking the rules that they're trying to keep. And so they argue. And they bring in the blind man, and they try and say, were were you really blind? And he says, yes, I was blind. Jesus couldn't have healed you because he's not a holy man. He said, look, all I know, the blind man says, I was blind, and now I see. I leave it up to you as to make sense out of this. It's it's the upside down nature of the gospel. Those who are blind see. Those who are sighted are blind. And Jesus shows us these counter stereotypic images all the time to help us to see not with our eyes, but to see with the eyes of our hearts, to look with compassion on all people and all situations. The good news is this, the disciples have blind spots and Jesus has patience with them and Jesus has patience with us. The good news is this, God cares about our ability to see with our eyes and to see with our heart. Jesus does not judge. Jesus does not give up on anyone but wants us all to see and to see. So how do we do this? How do we Put ourselves in God's way so that our blind spots don't blind us all the time. The first thing I would encourage is this. Hang on for dear life to our identity as beloved sons and daughters of God. If we don't know this, if we don't believe it, there's no way we can even look at our blind spots or have someone help us with our blind spots because it's too indicting, it's too too much of a blow to our ego, to our false self, when we are in touch with our true self, our beloved self, we can look at our shadow side. We can look at our failures and not be blown away. We can look at our blind spots and realize, oh, there are my blind spots. If we're living out of our false self, which likes to compete, compare, contrast, likes to look good and feel good, there's no way we can deal with our blind spots. We're too fragile. We're not mature enough yet knowing we're the beloved, helps us look at our blind spots. The second is this, invest in community, invest in small groups where trust can grow in our church. Invest in relationships that are more than just how's the weather or who's playing in the final four. Invest in relationships of trust to the point where we can say to one another, you know, I'm I'm wrestling with some of my blind spots. I I have a feeling I'm not seeing clearly about something in this realm or in this relationship. Can I talk this out with you? Because the good thing is, we don't all have the same blind spots. We might be able to see something that someone else doesn't see. Now, please hear me. (laughs) I'm not saying that we as a congregation are ready to point out each other's blind spots. We're not ready for that. But there is potential for us to say humbly, you know, I, I think I have a blind spot that I need help with. Would you journey with me? Do you see the difference? It's very easy to point out each other's blind spots. That may not be helpful. Helpful. But when we can grow in trust with one another, and that happens in small groups, we might be able to get each other's help and input to say, can you help me with this particular blind spot? The third thing that I would lift up is to pray for the humility to see our blind spots, and to address them so that they don't keep hindering us, so that they don't keep getting in the way of our relationships. I don't know how you would pray about this or how I might pray about this, but it might be something like, God, I don't even know where my blind spots are, but I know that they're not helping me. God, somehow show me what I need to see. God, open my eyes that I may see. We're going to sing that later. It may, be, it may be the song that we sang, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. Let's let this be our prayer. Let's sing this together. I think you know it. If you, if you know it, sing out. If you don't know it, sing out. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see. I want to see. Let's sing that again. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to high and lifted up. To see you high and lifted up. Shining in the light of your glory. Shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power. Pour out your power and love. As we sing holy, holy, oh. To see you high and lifted up. To see you high and lifted up. Shining in the light of Your glory, pour out Your power and love as we sing, holy, 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 Let's sing this as our prayer, holy. prayer.